We are continuing our journey this morning uh, through the book of Philippians. And once again, we are so thankful that you're here. This morning, we're going to be looking at chapter 4, and we're going to concentrate on verses 1 through 9. And if you've heard any of the messages during this particular sermon series, you know that during this series, I always start by reviewing two pieces of information. The first bit of information that I think is so important that we keep in mind as we take this journey throughout the book of Philippians is what the context is. Well, here's what it is. It was written, this book was written by Paul and he wrote it from prison. He wrote it directly to the church in Philippi, and he wrote it somewhere between A.D. 55 and A.D. 62. And then as we look at the book of Philippians as a whole, as we read through that, it becomes really evident that there is a common theme that continues to surface over and over again. And here's what that theme is. It's that Paul rejoices in his partnership with the Philippians, and he does that in the midst of adversity. Once again, this morning, we're in chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. And I want to ask you right now, if you are physically able to stand, would you stand to honor the reading of God's Word? Paul is speaking here, uh, starting in verse 1. Here's what God's Word says. Therefore, my brothers... Whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat you, Odia, and I entreat Sentishi to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you so much for the reading of your word. Once again, we thank you, Lord, for bringing us to this place for this Day. And what I pray now that you will just hide me behind the cross. What I pray that I will faithfully preach this passage. And what I just pray, I pray that you will do a mighty work here in this place this morning. What I pray that I will be faithful to point the people to you and to the cross. And what I pray that as we leave this place today, that we'll be rejoicing as a result of the great things that you have done. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, the title of this morning's sermon is A Radical Type of Joy. A Radical Type of Joy. Now, we have seen quite a bit throughout the book of Philippians uh, to this point. We have seen Paul, for sure, model joy. But we're going to be talking about radical joy this morning 
And throughout our text this morning, in these first nine verses, we are going to see uh, two different ways that this radical joy comes about. One way that this radical joy appears is that there is joy, radical joy, in friendship and in unity. In fact, when friends who are believers stand fast in the Lord, and you see that this joy is simply a part of who they are. It's not joy that they experience on one moment in time. It's joy that's present in their life over and over again. You know what? It allows us as believers to know we're not fighting this battle alone. We've got Christian brothers and sisters that are fighting this battle, that are running the race with us. And that is possible this morning when we have experienced this radical type of joy. Now I want you to notice in verse 1 how Paul describes these people. First of all, he describes them as his brothers. And then he doesn't leave us wondering how he feels about these people. He says, whom I love and long for. My joy and my crown. Paul is telling us here that these people are partners with him in the gospel. And then notice what he says next. He is telling them to stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. Now, if you remember chapter 3 that we finished covering last week, remember the title of that message was Press On. Now, pressing on and standing firm They're very similar, aren't they? So why would Paul be repeating himself here? And I think there's a couple of good reasons that he's doing that. First of all, as humans, sometimes we have the need to hear things more than once, don't we? We do. We have the need to hear things more than once. Now, Paul is giving good news to these people. He is giving them good news, but he wants to be sure that they are getting it. Now, I think the other reason that Paul is likely repeating himself here is that he knows at times these people are going through a battle. They probably feel tired. They probably feel worn down. And he is giving them some encouragement. And, you know, that is wonderful. Isn't encouragement good? Don't you feel good when somebody encourages you? I think Paul is doing that here. He is encouraging these people. And so I want to challenge us. Let's encourage others too. And let's be sure that we always point them to the Lord. Notice what Paul says to stand firm in. Stand firm in the Lord. Now, verse 2 particular particularly. I want to spend just a little bit of time on it this morning. I have I've conveyed many times that I believe every word that appears in our Bible is there for a reason. None of none of the, our scripture just made it into scripture just because. None of it happened as a result of an accident. So therefore, every word of scripture is important and we need to treat it as such. And you've heard me share before, one of my fears is that certain verses of scriptures, I'm I'm afraid we might just read right over and not really stop long enough to consider the significance of what the scripture is saying. In verse 2 of chapter 4 is one of those verses. You know, what what else do we know about these two women named Euodia and Sintishi? What do we know about them? We, We don't know a lot, do we? 
And so since we don't know a lot about them, the, the temptation is, let's just go on and read another verse that, that we can identify with. But I want to tell you what's going on here. Yodia and Sentishi, they were people who served alongside Paul in that Philippian church. They were believers. They were partners in the gospel. But they have had a strong disagreement. A strong disagreement. So Paul is saying here, I entreat Yodia and I entreat Sentishi to agree in the Lord. Now, the word entreat is a word that doesn't appear probably in our daily vocabularies very often. So when Paul is using that word here, he's saying, I'm strongly urging you two women to agree in the Lord. Now, we don't know what their disagreement was over. Paul didn't document that. But what we do know that whatever it was, it was serious enough that Paul wrote about it. And that became part of our scripture. Now, let me tell you, what Paul did know is that he knew that disunity can destroy a church. It can absolutely destroy a church. So Paul, remember, he's in prison as he's writing this. So he asked someone to help. We don't know who he asked to help. He didn't identify their names, but it's clear here that he is asking someone to help these two women resolve their disagreement so they can truly concentrate on what the main thing is. And let me tell you what the main thing is, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the main thing. Now, if you remember from last week, one of the things that I said is that if the enemy, if Satan can be effective in getting us to concentrate on our past. Those things that we did in our past that we wouldn't necessarily do the same way again. If he is successful in getting us to concentrate on those things in our past, we probably are not going to be very effective in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ because we're too busy thinking about what is in the past. And it's, it's, it's like the same thing that he's repeating here almost. If the enemy can sideline churches over disagreements and get them to concentrate on things that divide them as opposed to things that unite them, then a church is not going to be very effective in ministering in the present. Now, remember this morning, we are talking about a radical type of joy. The next kind of joy, the next thing that we're going to see, the next main idea we're going to see is that there is joy in the peace that comes from God. Now, notice in verse 4, Paul tells them to rejoice in the Lord always. Always. And in any and every situation. And then he repeats himself again. He's clear he's repeating himself here. Again, I will say rejoice. As believers, that joy is supposed to be evident in our lives. The people on the outside that are watching us live our daily lives, they shouldn't have to dig to see joy. It should be a part of who we are. Remember, again, we're talking about radical joy this morning. And I want to just remind you in love, if we find ourselves that we are constantly bitter, 
if we are constantly bitter about things, if we find ourselves rarely ever experiencing anything that we would identify as pure joy, then I think it should cause us to look within. Are we absolutely certain that Christ has transformed our hearts? Because it's evident from reading the Scriptures, joy is supposed to be on display. Our joy, let's be clear, our joy comes from who? The Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth. That's where our joy comes from. And if we are looking for our joy in any type of temporary, earthly situation, we are looking in the wrong place. And so we might be asking, so what's this joy look like? What does it look like? Well, verse 5, Paul begins to tell us. He says, let your reasonableness be known to who? Everyone. We're supposed to be reasonable. We are supposed to be gentle with the people that we encounter on a daily basis. You know, when we are finding ourselves communicating with people in the world, I wonder, do we extend mercy to those we come in contact with, or do we want justice? You know, do we want mercy, or do we want justice? And I want to remind us of the mercy that has been extended to us As a result of our salvation, if we're in Christ, mercy, great mercy, has been extended to us. And as a result, that is the exact same kind of mercy that we are called as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, to extend to others. Now, remember, we're talking about a radical type of joy this morning. And so you might be wondering, so what's it look like? What are some characteristics of a person who truly has this radical joy? Paul begins to tell us some things. Look in in verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. Now, that's a big one, isn't it? That is a big one. Do not be anxious about... It says anything, right? Does your Bible say anything there? Is that, what, is that what your Bible say? It says, do not be anxious about anything. I want to share something with you this morning. Over, I haven't said a lot about this. I, on, I'm not sure I've ever mentioned it on Sunday morning. I've, I've mentioned it a few times on Wednesday night and possibly on Sunday night. But I've been on a journey for the last three years with my education. And I've learned a lot about emotions during that three-year period of time. And I want to tell you, there are some people, they're, they're just not prone to experience anxiety. They're not. And oftentimes it's hard for those people who never have struggled with anxiety to imagine how crippling that anxiety can be for those who actually do experience anxiety. Can I tell you something this morning? Anxiety is very, very real for many, many People, But can I tell you something this morning? There is a remedy for that. And his name is Jesus Christ. Now, it, it, it involves some radical things. We've got to be willing to rethink certain situations. We've got to be willing to refocus 
our minds and our hearts in certain situations. But there is a remedy, and His name is Jesus Christ. I wonder this morning, do you know Him today? Paul goes on and says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication. What's that mean? What does supplication is another of those words that probably don't appear in our daily vocabulary. Well, supplication is simply asking or begging for something earnestly or humbly. So that's that's what Paul says to do when we're anxious. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And then look what happens. This is the beautiful thing about it. And the peace of God. Is that not what we're looking for? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That is wonderful, wonderful news Today And you might be thinking, but Brother Todd, it's so hard. It's so hard to do all those things. And you're exactly right. It is. It is so hard to do those things. But I want to share some good news with you this morning. It is definitely possible. And remember, I was talking about we have to go through a process of refocusing our thought process, refocusing or recalibrating our mind. And so Paul goes ahead and tells us here exactly how to do it. Finally, brothers, whatever's true. Most of the time when we worry about stuff, is it stuff that we know for sure has happened? Is it stuff or is it stuff that just might happen? We don't know whether it's true or not yet, do we? But we spend a lot of time worrying about those things that may or may not be true, about things that may not ever even happen. Paul's saying, whatever's true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, then think about those things. Think about those things. Remember, it's a retraining of our mind. And it's, it's possible through Jesus Christ. Possible. It involves some work. We've got to be willing to let go of the things that are binding us and causing us to be anxious. But I want to tell you, there's hope and His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. I wonder... Again, do you know him today? And finally, verse 9, Paul is telling them, this is a, a statement of such magnitude. Paul's telling these people, hey, remember, what you've learned from me, what you've received from me, what you have heard and seen in me. Now, practice these things. Practice these things. And then he tells them what will happen. The God of peace will be with you. And as we close the message this morning, I want to just focus on verse 9 for just a minute. Could we make the same statement to others about our life? Okay. Okay, world. What you've learned from me, what you've received from me, what you've heard from me, what you've seen in me, then practice these things. Practice these things. 
and the God of peace will be with you. If you can't say that this morning, I'd love to talk to you just a little bit later during the invitation. Here in just a moment, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a prayer for us. And we're, we're going to have a time of invitation later in the service. It's not going to be right now when we have the invitation. I'm going to have a prayer to transition from the sermon this morning, and then we're going to hear from our Oklahoma team. Um, at the end of the prayer, they're going to be playing a video. I encourage you to watch it on the screen. Watch that. And it will give you just a little glimpse of some of the things they're going to talk about. Oklahoma team, as that video is playing, you can feel free to come forward, make yourself uh, comfortable up here at the front of the church where you're going to be sharing. Miss Karen Markham will meet you down here. And, and we're going to hear from you. And we're excited. We are excited this morning to hear what the Lord has done through this team while they spent a week at Camp Crossway in Oklahoma. So will you pray with me, please? Father, thank you for this day. Lord, it, it's good to be in your house today. We give you praise just for the opportunity to come together and worship you this morning. Father, I pray that now that we will evaluate our lives to see whether or not we truly have that radical type of joy that we've been talking about this morning on display in our lives. And, Father, I pray that if we don't, I pray that this will be the day that we will lay our burdens down at the foot of the cross. Lord, I pray that there will be transformation that will occur in this place today. Lord, I pray that if there are people here that don't know you as their Lord and Savior, Father, may this be the day that they cry out, what must I do to be saved? Father, I pray that we will leave here today rejoicing and praising you for the great things that you have done. And it's in your name I pray. Amen.